Aloha Maui Nui. Hey, this is Josh Porter here. I made it. Jason Burkhart. Yes, we're here. <laughs> Welcome to the Solar Coaster. Episode 52. This 52. is it. This year, as soon as we go off air at the end of the show, it is a full year of weekly shows about renewable energy. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's I don't even know, I can't get my head around that one. An entire year. Uh, yeah, we have a, um, a really great show here for number 52. Uh, we're working uh, on the um, Boris Von Bormann is going to be calling in, the, the former CEO of Sonnen Battery, former CEO of Mercedes-Benz America, uh, Energy is America. Energy Americas, yeah. Uh, we're going to be talking about the convergence of uh, transportation and energy. Absolutely. Yeah, right. I mean, this is something that he knows a ton about, what he's been working in, the field he's been working in for the last however many years. And uh, unfortunately, Mercedes just pulled out of the energy storage market. Apparently, right. apparently the they're saying the automotive batteries that they've developed don't really fit the home market, Yeah, um, which is unfortunate. But leaves a door open for a lot of other right. folks. <laughs> right. And we, and we actually, like uh, a couple weeks ago, Boris was scheduled, but then all of a sudden there was a little bit of a... Bruhaha, and on we, and that was when that shift happened. Right, and so right. We rescheduled him afterwards. So now he's coming on as an independent, a free yep. agent, right? Yep. And we're really excited to uh, hear from Boris and all about his ideas. If you'd like to hire Boris, call us. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it's going to be a great show today. We also have a guest speaker who's been on the coaster a couple times over the year. Uh, you want to say hi, everybody? Aloha, Maui. How are we doing? That's Mr. Solar Anthony. Mr. Solar Anthony, yes. in, in the studio. And I'm very happy to be here on the one year anniversary. Yeah, the, man. The radio show. Thank you. We appreciate Thank you showing you. up. Thank you, Big sir. Ups. <laughs> Absolutely. So let's just jump right in, get into our 50-second show. Uh, what do you say, guys? Ready to go? Go, go. All right. We are the Solar Coaster folks. We can found right here Fridays at 105 p.m. at Kauai, 1110 a.m. We're also on some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. It's call-in show, 242-7800 is the call-in line. It's 242-7800. We've got a great website. How about it, Jay? Sure. www.solar-coaster.com. You can go in there, uh, look, listen for all our old shows. Everything is up there from the entire past year. Uh, there's a forum down the bottom of the site you can get on our mailing list or submit questions right to us if you can't call in during the show or you think of something in the middle of the night <laughs> sit bolt upright in bed and <laughs> i need to ask these guys a question fill it in on the website it'll get to us and we'll make sure to get your question on the air we're also out on um iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn uh, podcasts. So if you'd like to subscribe to our podcasts, uh, take us with you on the train, in the car, wherever do we it. are. Do it, do it, do it. <laughs> we're, we're everywhere. <laughs> it's people listen via different ways. You know, sometimes the radio, sometimes the podcast. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes the archive on SoundCloud or whatever. Right? I'm amazed. I mean, I, I had uploaded uh, like I think the last show, and I did it at four o'clock right. in the morning because I was still coming off some jet lag, and I waited until nine o'clock to email some people. Um, that it had been uploaded, the, our previous guest. And he's like, yeah, I already found it. And I, looked, I went to sign back in and like, 130 people had already listened to it. <laughs> like, I, it was at 4 o'clock in the morning. It's always Who's listening a, to us? It's always an honor to find out, find friends and family that like the show. Yep. I did, did run into an old client of mine uh, about five years ago. We did an installation for Mr. Tim Jones. Mm -hmm. uh, I ran into him at Highly Miley General Store. He's bartending there, and he said, Josh, I love the coaster. And I was like, oh, my goodness, he listens to the coaster. That's a nice thing. That's right? nice, and you haven't touched him, touched uh, yeah, base with him yeah, in, yeah. in a and long he, time. And he goes, I know all about batteries. And by the way, I just bought a new house. It's time to uh, put in a solar battery uh, system. There you go. What have a battery, character, battery. right? Here we, here we so, come. Hey. I, have, I have one more announcement. Uh, is former guest, uh, Mr. Brian Verkard is also my brother. Um, it's his birthday today. Everybody turn around and wish Brian a happy birthday. <laughs> happy birthday, Brian. Happy birthday, Brian. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Okay, so uh, th this is a solar coaster. We are sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi, Electric America, Sonam Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. Uh, that is the uh, stable, wonderful group of companies that has kept us on the air and made us help us get all the way through the 52. Through an entire year. Thank you, sponsors. <laughs> Heartfelt. Aloha. Mahalo. Thanks, guys. All right, let's jump into our news and events. What do you say? All right, right off the bat, um, solar energy hydrogen installation in Sweden. Now, this is, this oh, is really, really funny. Um, so it is the first, as, as far as I understand it, a renewable energy project um, put forth by a private company, but it is specifically designed. It's 250 kW of solar in Maristad, uh, Sweden. But 100% of the solar energy will be converted to hydrogen. There you go. So they're storing it um, f up towards of 40 tons a year. They're going to be storing and filling fuel cell vehicles. That's really kind of a unique 
model. I mean, I don't think we've ever seen this before. I've gone on air talking about hydrogen in before because it's, it's, I mean, what do you do with the solar? If you're, if you're curtailing renewable energies, you don't, you're producing more, especially in the middle of the day, than you can you consume on the grid. What do you do with it? Well, they curtail it. They, they blow it off, <laughs> essentially, uh, which, is, which is very wasteful. So instead of doing that, why don't we put it somewhere? Now, there's a lot of different theories. You can pump water uphill and let the, when the water comes back down, you can turn a turbine and generate some power back. Where the efficiencies are, we're not quite sure. Hydrogen fuel cells are generally only around 53% efficient. But again, if you are going to blow it off anyway, you might as well recapture some right. of some of that energy. There, there must be some kind of fuel cell car, you know, fuel cell market out there in Sweden, right? That's, so, I, I think there's more vehicles. There wasn't The article wasn't clear, and I wasn't able to find any additional information on how many fuel cell vehicles there are, but apparently mm. they're, they're building this installation directly next to a fuel cell, what's essentially a gas station, <laughs> a fuel cell fill-up point for hydrogen fuel cell vehicles there. Right. So, it's, I mean, it's a nice little self-contained unit that can provide itself its own hydrogen and fill all the vehicles. It will produce enough for 2.5 million miles of driving. I mean, it's effectively a, year. a solar-powered gas station. Yeah, yeah really. Right, exactly literally that. taking the photons and putting it right into a putting fuel it into a ga gas tank. Right? I love it. That's really great. It's, it's just exciting. hydrogen gas instead of petroleum. Right. Gas. And Anthony, the first time I, became, I I had a chance to get kind of exposed to hydrogen, and we got really excited about it, was with Hank and his team over in uh, what's the name of the ranch there? Oh, Jeez, that, that's yeah, a tough one, it's, right? It's got too many U's and K's in it. Puu vai vai or something yeah, like yeah, that, right? Yeah. Yep. It's a beautiful place, and uh, he has a bunch of fuel cells that he got from the. I think the, U.S. government, right? Yeah, it, um, it was some kind of government. They were they had a couple machinery pieces of machinery, and Hank and his guys went up there, and they're like, "Oh, we'll take this and we'll take that." And they're like, "No, if you want it, you have to take it all, <laughs> the whole warehouse." On. And he's like, "Oh, okay." So, and they've been tinkering and tampering around, but they, I mean, that's that's the future model. Let's just say you take a small island or a continent and you make it 100% renewable. I mean, you still have the car okay. issue. I mean, that's a big issue to figure out, and this is a viable way of doing yeah, a piece it. Piece of that puzzle yeah, is yeah. potentially yeah. fuel cells, right? I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not 100% sold on the fuel cell vehicle model. I mean, I like, first of all, I mean, we look at the, the, the automobile market. They're only just embracing electricity. Mm -hmm. So electric vehicles are going to become a thing. This year, there's a few more models. Next year is going to be crazy. We've got, what, 37 models announced well, of uh, different, different vehicles. And, and they're, and they're, and they're legit. Well, yeah, okay, <laughs> you want the Porsche. But <laughs> there's legitimately vehicles that you would actually purchase instead of the little bubble that, that says, I am green, and yeah. you really can't, I mean, you can't take it to cost. And it may or may not make it up the hill. These are real vehicles. Like, this is like a big pickup truck that's fully electric, you know, and it'll drive 300 miles. That's fantastic. Um, those types of vehicles are actually going to be coming out in the next next year or two. Um, hydrogen, I don't see them embracing nearly mm. as much. I don't see those vehicles out there. And there's also the issue with fueling. I mean, you do need to know what you're doing because you can hurt somebody with this stuff it's not oh i spilled a little bit of gasoline this is this is coming out under extreme high pressure, pressure. liquefied hydrogen it's extremely extremely cold um you can freeze your foot off if you spill a little jeez yeah. oh, <laughs> this is just not a good idea um so I, I would i would much prefer to see an installation where they would keep this hydrogen spin a large turbine with it make on the back end, make the electricity and transmit electricity to your vehicle and charge your vehicle that yeah. way. Well, it just makes more safety sense to me. There's some yeah. efficiency concerns there, right? There are yeah. efficiency concerns, of course. Um, but I mean, I, you could probably get better efficiencies as well um, having a really tightly controlled generator facility where you can capture waste heat and use that, et cetera, et cetera, as opposed to trying to, to put it through a fuel cell yeah. okay. the fuel cells are notoriously we might get a call in from michael on this one yeah, so I, I, know. Know. I know and i, and I did say that i, I did say that and, but I, well, I, I think you would agree with me that, okay. that a fuel cell is not the right sure, not sure. The right here's option. the way i'm looking at it the next generation hybrid runs off hydrogen and electric and then the roof is a solar panel a molded <laughs> solar panel the hood's a molded solar panel in the trunk and it could produces one kilowatt of electricity under peak hours i don't think that. i've done a show on this yet but did i tell you about the whole painted on panel technology no. stuff. We need to have a conversation off, off air. Yeah. Yeah. Catch me Very tonight yeah. at the party. Yeah. <laughs> okay, gentlemen, what do you say we move on to yes, our please. next section here? Uh, okay. Is this the tariff one? Yeah, please, go ahead. Okay, so, well, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so this uh, is, uh, we're talking about the New York Times article, Trump's solar tariffs cause a scramble in the industry. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, it's it's a aggravated title, I think. <laughs> but I mean, this is what we've been talking about for a while. Um, 
Sun Power is, is creating panels in Asia. They are now filing for exemptions for the tariff because they claim that they're they're I mean they're doing it for for pricing reasons but they're US based but that's not really true either um, and then they had an acquired solar world. now they're they went and acquired solar world um, other Chinese nice. companies are now trying to open factories in the US and Florida is one specific one um, the the objective the object of the tariff was to protect U.S. domestic manufacturing, and that's all well and good. And these factories opening, fantastic. You know, it's going to create a couple hundred jobs per factory, mm -hmm. uh, wherever they happen to be are. the The issue is, it has caused this massive slump in the industry. Yeah. And the other ancillary jobs, um, installers and maintenance, and all these projects that have just been canceled outright, have probably cost us. And I get this number from SIA, but it's it's twenty three thousand jobs. I mean, you have to open up an awful lot of factories to offset that. So in, in whole, in total, the tariff is probably not helping us very much, if at all. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, there's also a quote here from, I think, Werner. He says that it's costing them as much as $2 million a week on the manufacturing side, right? So, oh, good night. Yeah, I mean, these guys are collateral damage is some of the language that they've used. Yeah, pretty aggressive so I, did, language. I did see that that, that particular <laughs> phrase, and I, I was I was really hoping it was it was toward the installer community when I read it, and it unfortunately isn't, because, oh, they, because they are the real collateral damage. Right, he was talking about his manufacturing, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, well, you know, we continue to hear about these uh, the tariffs and the impacts, and uh, and I guess that's what it is. It's not, it's, it's hasn't really changed. No, not. I mean, I know there's some kind of push out there to get the tariff repealed. Are we going to do that or not? <sighs> not sure yet. We'll find out. Yeah. Okay. Well. All right. Well, let's maybe, we'll, maybe we'll get some folks from SIA back, and we'll, <laughs> we'll find out what their what their opinion is. Let's get a comment from Abby yeah. again. Now let's go right to um, Hawaii regulators approved on bill financing program to boost clean energy adoption. This is fantastic. I like this a lot. Yeah. Um, Hawaii regulators finally improved on bill financing to boost adoption of clean energy across the state. Um, Basically, it means that they're, they're referring to the GEMS program, and I we had uh, yeah, a real Miko controversial rep. program, yeah, right? Yeah, we had Miko rep here uh, just a minute ago. I'd like her to explain it better. Um, but basically, what this is going to let them do is have the utility finance a renewable energy initiative or an energy conservation. That's that's the interesting thing. Yeah. It's not not just putting solar, but also helping you retrofit old um, refrigeration tech or heating tech in a, an industrial situation or lighting yep. or whatever else. They can help you finance this, and then you pay it back on your bill, on right. your electricity bill, right. which is great. And, of course, it also does cover photovoltaics and energy storage. Yeah, I mean, So this almost opens the door for them to start owning some of the behind-the-meter equipment, right? Stuff it? Yeah, well, it seems that way, right? On-bill <laughs> yeah. financing allows, in simple form, the utility to incur the cost of clean energy upgrade, yep. which is then repaid on the utility by the, uh, the ratepayer. Yeah. So over time. So that's fantastic. And they're talking about taking uh, applications in the upcoming months. I mean, this is right around the corner yeah. that this is going to be defined and clarified. You're going to get access to, hey, I need a solar hot water heater. Okay, great. Here's our hot water heater. Yep. And then pay us over time. And then we need a, a I want to, I want to be, I can't, that'd be really interesting to see the first photovoltaic system that gets set up like that, I, right? I, I want to yeah. see it. Where'd you get your photovoltaic system? Uh, Amico. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, that's, Great. It's pretty exciting stuff. So, uh, Who installed it? <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> that's a whole different story, right? Okay. Very good. Very good. What was the other one from Hawaii? Well, that's, a good, that's a good one. This one's not so good. Um, Bill on energy storage tax credit and solar hot, hot water heater mandate once again stall during legislative session. Um, both of these articles are um, coming out of Pacific Business News. Um, but this, this one's about um, Senate Bill 2100 which was going to replace the current renewable energy tax credit um, with a new model. Uh, current, the current model doesn't allow for tax credit on the battery alone. Right. Mm. And so if you already had an existing solar install and just want to get battery backup attached to that, you wouldn't be able to get the state tax credit. Mm -hmm. uh, so this new bill, although it would depress the existing tax credit on solar installation from 35 to 25%, it would allow you to get 25% on your battery install. And since, right. I mean, it makes almost no sense to install solar without a battery at this point in, in yeah. the game, the most part, um, yeah. you, you end up getting 25% off of both, which could be more credit right. at right. the end of the day. 
And um, I wonder if there were caps in that. I didn't re- read the language in, in that. No, I didn't bill, read the specific bill. You know, they've been shoot, well, it didn't. So it didn't succeed. That's the no, bottom line. It didn't. Yep. And uh, there. And so you know, they've been shooting for this for a while. Now. That's maybe the third try over the course of the last few yes, years. Yes, it's been it's been in dis- in committee for both 2016, 2017, and now 2018 sessions, right. and has not been able to progress to the governor's desk. Yeah. And, wow. I remember actually back in like 15 working on some of the initial tax credit bills, and uh, and and. Put Putting together kind of wonky, clunky language. We didn't even know how that would work out, but it was mm-hmm. like, you know, we want a tax credit for storage, and this is what we think it should be. And then they came back, and it was all kind of redlined and stuff. <laughs> no, like, forget no, it, no. boys. You know, <laughs> so, but it's come a long way. And uh, unfortunately, they're, they're certainly up until just now, we thought that there was a good chance of this going through. Yeah, we were, I mean, it was really kind of a surprise to a lot of folks. Um, and they're, they're not sure if they're even going to make the attempt next year, is what mm-hmm. I understand, which would be really, really frustrating because storage is, pe- is poised right Right now to make a major major inrush i mean that the prices have just come down you know so um, much. yeah marco kind of summed it up really well marco mangelsdorf and we'll, we'll move right through this but there's no doubt about among energy uh s- stakeholders that our island grids and individual and commercial electricity consumers would substantially benefit from a rapid and deep deployment of energy storage across our our islands i mean it seems everyone's got it's, consensus it's a, yeah it's a nice it's a nice way to say you know we're in a dangerous precarious situation we're one major storm away from some serious problems and these batteries can help us it's, yeah. n- it's not a matter of even even just convenience and and there's the soaring sun it's it's a matter of keeping your life the safety conversation safety but there's also lifestyle. we talked about the uh, the rate of getting these things deployed can actually be better financially because of the offset in the uh well, yeah, the hedge well, against if, oil yep right oh, so, exactly that yeah right? we were talking okay. about that before but battery lithium battery technology I mean, over the past 20 years um has come down from three thousand dollars per kilowatt hour to 170 dollars Wow. Over the past 20 years. So it's really, really just dropping through the floor. And that's the reason why you, these batteries are starting to make financial sense yeah. for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. I got to see that graph because it feels like the last three or four <laughs> years was kind of like, a, yeah, right? it's, it's just falling right off. Okay. So shall we just take it from there and run right into our commercials and pick up Boris on the outside of that? All right. Sounds All like right, plan. Here we go. Aloha and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tabuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Batter Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. 
Okay, well, those were our uh, wonderful sponsors that have kept Solar Coaster running for the last 52 episodes. Thank you, sponsors. We appreciate you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, guys. Um, so we got a great show today. I hope we're going to enjoy the show. Yeah, sponsors. yeah, I hope so. Maybe we can get, a, get us to do a sponsor show. They all call in, right? There you go. Um, we have got a great show today with Mr. Boris Von Borman, uh, and we're going to hear from him uh, right now. We got him online. Aloha, Boris. Can you hear us? Aloha. Absolutely. I hope you can hear me as well. We hear you great. Welcome to the Solar Coaster, my friend. Thank you, thank you. How are the island? <laughs> okay. Today is, uh, was it was raining? It wasn't raining. It was raining where I was this morning. Well, there's so. some, there are actually some big events right now in Big Island. Literally, uh, oh, yeah, we had just, just prior a, to the show, there was another one earthquake. Hour, one hour ago, there was a 6.0 earthquake yeah. on, uh, on the side I, of... I'm glad I'm not over there. Maybe I'm <laughs> yeah. not, but then I'm, I'll stay here in Alexandria. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't feel it on Maui, but yeah, it's, couple, it's close enough it's that we're close. concerned. Yeah, it's pretty close. So, uh, Boris, welcome to the show. We, uh, we're really excited to have you on board here at the Solar Coaster. We've been you know, kind of playing phone tag and connecting over the last month. And, uh, yeah. yeah, we're really excited to hear about you know, your background, about so your perspectives on the renewable energy industry. Uh, you kind of come from a very unique space. you know. So how about we just start out at the beginning, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and, and kind of get our listeners acquainted with uh, who, who's, who's Boris. Absolutely. No, glad to. And uh, thank you for having me on the show. Good to con- reconnect. Uh, we've met a few times, I think, um, in, in the past over in Maui at the Energy Conference where I was a speaker for the last, I think, four or five years. That's right. Uh, straight. Um, yes, um, came into solar. Um, I'm a German guy, as you can tell by my name. Uh, hard to hard to admit. And I've been uh, in the US now over 21 years working with mostly German companies that come to the US market. And then I started my own consulting business. And 2006, roughly, is when I worked with a lot of economic development groups out of Germany. And there was more and more solar coming online as Germany had the feed-in tariff and solar was really taken off. And when I looked at that industry, it really intrigued me just because it's proposition of creating clean energy and then making it affordable and having it distributed for everyone's home. So I really started focusing my consultant business on that space. And then I was brought on as a director for North America for a module manufacturing company upstream. So uh, working in thin film solar, bringing in revolutionary concepts such as solar tiles and other things that I no kidding. Like Tesla now yeah. reinvent. And um, in 2012, that company went um, bankrupt as most German module manufacturers, especially all German thin-film manu- module manufacturers, and then um, moved into downstream solar installation. And then uh, 2012, 2013, I started, 2013, I started uh, with Sonnen. Uh, I was brought on board with Sonnen to run uh, them in the United States. So I built them up in the United States, ran them for three and a half years, and then uh, moved over to Mercedes-Benz Energy for a little over a year and a half and uh, just left. Well, that's that's quite an arc there, uh, Boris. You know, you have time in not only the uh, thin film environment and kind of a more uh, experimental kind of solar, but also in uh, regular uh, PV, and then also in uh, Sonin, which is where the you know VPP uh, kind of technology is really being focused in on for the for years, and then over to Mercedes, which was this kind of uh, unprecedented move from a car manufacturer into the energy storage space, right? So no, not so much unprecedented. I mean, that's kind of the the, the the side business for everybody who's going to be manufacturing lots and lots of batteries. I mean, you, you basically want to achieve a, an economy of scale as quickly as possible mm. so to make the, the manufacturing pay for itself. But were there any other car companies that did that? Um, not yet. Well, Tesla. Yeah, but Tesla kind of came. <laughs> right? I don't know which, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, they, they made the battery technology and then decided to make it fit. But, um, but, but I mean, it, it, it still makes sense to me to yeah. have that kind of parallel line. And I'm a little disappointed that they decided sure, to, yeah, to end sure, it before sure. it really had a chance to yeah, take We were off. all excited about, about Mercedes-Benz out here, uh, uh, Boris. I remember probably even a couple of years ago when we started first seeing the shells, uh, we, yep. we, you know, we, I remember being out with some of my clients and we were doing some Solar Edge and LG stuff. And I showed them the uh, pamphlets and they were like, oh, hold, the, hold your horses there. Yeah. When's that going to be available? You know, of course, there's two oh. Benzes sitting in the garage, right? Yep, yep. So, <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I, I think though that, that, that arc of experience really gives you a, a very uh, kind of a, a broad, kind of comprehensive perspective on the state of solar and storage and energy right now. You know, what's your take on what's happening in the world today? I mean, how do you feel given all that you've seen right now in, in, in 2018? 
I'm I'm feeling really bullish. I mean, it's um, you're right. Obviously, the exit from Mercedes-Benz is, is a little bit of a disappointment, and I really thought we had something there. But what I really looked at over the past year and a half or two years I worked with is is that convergence of transportation and and um, energy. So as we bring those parts together, so to me, storage is still a key to facilitate renewables, more renewables on the grid. You know, you have storage really allows you to time what I call time decoupling, right? So normally you have with any generation, you have the generation, you have to use it when you generate it. Any type of storage, if it's pumped hydro, if it's flywheels, you know, batteries, you name it, it time decouples generation from usage, which is the key to really push renewables as you know we all know they're intermittent right if you say it's cloudy right now so you're probably not producing as much as if it's 87 and sunny out and the wind's not blowing um, or maybe the wind is blowing right so you'd quite not know when it is so the storage really time decouples that and as we're really moving into a more cleaner sustainable um, society in terms of energy generation and the costs are coming down storage is the key to really unlock the potential of renewables going forward and you know then now working with a car company uh, for a significant amount of time really seeing how that transportation can affect that whole play and that's quite interesting so i'm really excited on what's coming forward and how we can uh, really bring that together in, in the future and, and and all the elements of technology artificial intelligence machine learning blockchain technology underlying all of that aspect really makes it exciting still experimental in many ways, but you know, that's where innovation comes from. Wow, that's time time decoupling. That's a great new phrase we get to use for energy storage. I sure. like that phrase. <laughs> um, so, what, and now your experience with Sonin when when you were there, um, I, I assume there was a lot of discussion about virtual power plant. Can you or, and and but you that know, is their claim to fame, right? Yeah. <laughs> at least in my mind. Can Can you give yeah. us a sense for what did did you? Because um, in my mind, that is kind of like the precursor for the distributed energy resources that we'll be able to utilize for electric vehicles. It's kind of like one comes before the other, right? So, it, it, with your experience of VP. Uh, with VPP, what kind of experience did you have with that in, in Sony? Were you working also in Germany or was it the United States? Or you know, what was your experience with that? Yeah, I mean, it's right. VPP has it can have many different facets of it, right? A VPP can mean you aggregate systems on a grid level uh, percentage, but to me, it's more it's more actually just thinking how how do you manage a direct access to an energy storage system and. So this could have many forms, right? It could have a peer-to-peer -peer trading element, which Sun introduced to its Sun community when, when it was launched. Uh, it could have a VPP function where it's used on a grid level for stabilization. It could be used on a, monet, um, you know, on a monetization model to aggregate several storage systems into one. So there's many, many aspects of it. I mean, it, uh, what, what we have to look at on a, on a society and looking at energy is that the key is that we don't look this look at this from an individual level, right? So when you look at, okay, anybody could uh, get a battery and anybody could get solar and they produce as much for themselves and get the battery large enough to, to power their own home and, and service their needs, the issue is that the person next to you might not be able to either because they don't know the home, they live in an apartment, they don't have the financial means to do it. Um, the situation not right, right? So there's trees or the house is angled the wrong way, you name it, right? There's many aspects why someone could not step into that ecosystem. So um, how do we make it possible that one benefits from the other, right? So where someone can overproduce because they just have the means or they have the space or there's the ability to do that and the others can benefit from it that cannot step into that economy. Gotcha. So that whole aspect to me is the intriguing part of it and let's say VPP is one part of it but really underlying the mechanism on how you bring all of that together and have others benefit from others and, and therefore create this economy that, that uh, everybody can participate in. Right. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. So, really about generation, storage, sharing of energy, and how to how to work within that. Um, what do you now? When we start to move into the conversation of, of EVs, how does that play a role in this conversation? I mean, uh, we're, we're talking about uh, how are electric vehicles relevant to renewable energies and storage? Yeah. It's, um, 
Well, one one is obviously the CO2 or, or um, aspect, right? The emissions aspect. So, um, ideally, if you have an EV, you don't want to generate the electricity for your EV from a coal-burning uh, power plant that you're going to push into your electric vehicle, right? So that's, there's this cartoon I saw the other day um, in, a, in a German magazine where this guy's standing in a TV, you know, it's a cartoon driven in front of the kids, and he's standing in front of a power plant, and there's these <laughs> huge two chimneys that are blowing smoke up in the air and he says hey look it this is papa's new exhaust <laughs> so uh you know that, that's not what we want to achieve with electric vehicles right so how do we how do we make sure that the electricity generated into evs is also as clean as possible so that you don't increase um the demand for let's say dirty fossil fuel fuel uh, power plants um in in, in an econo- economy and that's where renewables play play a role into. And then the next step really is that once you look at an electric vehicle in the future sizes of 80 or even right now, right? You look at some companies out there, most companies are long range vehicles, 60 to 100 kilowatt hour batteries are common in an electric vehicle. If you pair 10 to 14 together, you get a megawatt hour of, of capacity in vehicles and that's nothing right so if you think of a um if you think of mercedes-benz for example right mercedes-benz has annual vehicle sales of around three million vehicles Mm. in the future they're saying okay 20 percent maybe are going to be electric if that's the case right that's just one company right that means that's a lot of lot of vehicles out there with a lot of storage capacity you only need about 40 to 50,000 vehicles in 2024 to meet the forecasted storage needs, right? What the energy storage market is. And just one company exceeds that by a factor of six. So how do you manage that storage on the grid? How can that facilitate more renewables? How do you manage that? That's really very these come in and have that crossover between energy and transportation where you have basically these nodes driving around with huge capacity of, uh, opportunities that can be utilized for many, many other things than just be driving to be driving around. So if we if we know that there's that uh, quantity of electric vehicles with that that volume of storage coming into market, I mean, how far down the road is the technology to be able to harness that with those vehicles? Whether it's you know point charging or whether it's uh, you know inductive charging uh, or whether it's even you know inductive charging while moving around. I mean, how far down the road are these technologies from being you know actually uh, implemented? They're not that far, to be honest, right? So you look at Nissan. Nissan already has significant uh, second life battery projects out there. They already have significant vehicle to grid applications out there, which are being tested and utilized. So um, that's already out there. So where you can actually utilize the vehicle to power certain areas, to, you know, have backup power available potentially if your home is set up correctly, or it can be used as grid leveling assets on the grid, right? So those those are already out there and being utilized. Um, the charging technology is obviously still some kind of a hurdle or not a hurdle, but it's it's where customers are really looking to to get over the hump to an electric vehicle. To me there's A is the convenience of charging, so that needs to be solved, and B customer choice. So do we have enough vehicles if you want to drive a pickup truck, if you want to drive an SUV? If you want to drive a small uh, economy car or if you want to drive a hyper sports car, if you have all of those options available as the EV, you can then step into an electric vehicle. Right. Charging needs to be solved. Right? Charging. Well, and, that, I mean, so yeah, that, that so. actually brings up a really, you know, we're also fascinated by the, the Mission E, the Porsche Mission E. It's mm-hmm. like a Gran Turismo Panamera, right? Mm-hmm. And But yeah. I mean, we're fascinated by, by it because it's a Porsche. It's beautiful. It's kind of like, you mm-hmm. know, everyone, who, you know, it's, it's something that's really attractive. But at the same time, they have a 15-minute full charge capacity. That's what I, mm-hmm. I, I read. Is that accurate, uh, Boris? And is, is that a new technology? Or what's, what's making something like that happen? Do you know? Yeah, it's a higher voltage uh, architecture on the vehicle, right? So most vehicles are looking at 400 volt. Um, Porsche is looking at an 800 volt system architecture, oh, which okay. can then be coupled to create this high power charging, uh, which makes it interesting. And we both agree, right? I mean, we all agree. But we talked on the phone pre-show. You know, that car is just beautiful. I mean, the Mission E is it's really a car that 
quite fun, obviously not for everyone, but mm, yeah. it's, uh, it's definitely, you know, a, a head turner when you see it on the street or if you see it in pictures. And But how do you bring that kind of a power to a specific site to charge vehicles, right? Imagine there's, um, there's you know, the, the capacity and the power need that you need to still do it is still the same. You're just basically doubling or quadrupling it up. And then just imagine there's three machinists coming into one charging site and they all want to charge at the same time. It's got to be a really big pipe to, to power that energy. So that's, that's interesting. Absolutely. So let me ask you, I'm trying to get a sense for how this might look for a, for a, for an individual, right? It's like here in Maui, someone has a solar system. Maybe they have an energy storage system, regardless of what type uh -huh. of utility program it is. Then they go and they get an electric vehicle, right? And, and we have a, yep. at one point, is there going to be like, well, they have an account with the utility that adds their electric vehicle as piece as a piece of that and you know if if the if the if the utility needs to pull from storage they they, they pull from their electric vehicle and they get kind of a credit or something in the future is it is it is it do you, do you see it forming in that kind of a manner uh in terms of how a how a homeowner could play a role in this yeah absolutely there i mean there's many different aspects to it right so i mean one more thing for example i was talking to a company down here in LA, which is a startup called Evelocity. They're really uh, looking to move into the urban vehicle, just, uh, you know, uh, within urban area, which really uses the, the system architecture of an electric vehicle to a, to a different standard. And so this could be, you know, you can move a lot quicker into shared mobility with these kinds of elements, which is going to be a play, but just coming back to the to the electricity part and how a customer can play a role, absolutely, right? So it could be done where uh, a utility might incentivize you to defer your charging based mm. on certain areas. Mm. It could potentially be that you could participate in the grid while, um, you know, utilizing your, the utilities utilizing your vehicle batteries for certain aspects for grid stabilization as well. It could be something where Let's say you overproduce from your solar, you have an electric vehicle, and your account is valid all over the island at the, the various oh. charging stations. So whatever you produce in your solar, you, you don't have net metering, but the credits can be used for charging stations while you're on the island, and that could be deducted from your utility account. Right. So there's many aspects how this could be actually play out. And you know, ideally, even if there's a power outage and your vehicle is plugged in, you can power your home through your vehicle. Right, so right. that's that's uh, potential in the future as well. It might be. So those are the aspects on how a uh, customer can participate: rate incentives, um, monetary incentives, cost of electricity or cost of peak power that that then the utility will give you for certain aspects. You know, I remember, uh, Boris, thank you for that. I remember uh, reading maybe a month or so ago on a show, we were talking about the prospect of of giving the utility a permission to just, you know, to pull energy or power from your, your car's batteries. And then there was one article that said, well, that could really uh, create problems in longevity of the battery. And another article said the stabilization of that battery could actually create better longevity. Sure. And then the, first, the thing that I thought of is, is that my driving habits do not coincide with the time that they will want to pull energy from my battery. Uh, they're going to want it overnight where when there's no re other renewable sources on no other solar sources on the grid and I'm going to want it charged in the morning or, or, <laughs> as opposed it, to half dead or it could <laughs> be in the trough during the day when instead of firing up like a peaker right so. sure but I mean for the for the most part there's an awful lot of renewable sources available those intermittent sources during the day way more than there would be uh, during the evening gotcha. and so I can see them wanting to dip into those batteries and we've had, we've had the same conversation with the the home storage market where they're they've caught up and talked to this smart export i mean uh, that's in place right kind, now that's a program that exists right now there's as far as i know there's no facility for it really i mean they need they still haven't been able to deploy a meter and things that, that work appropriately mm. um, where they can they can pull from it um, there are some technical hurdles but no legislative hurdles anymore uh, to be able to sell power um, over, over the evening have them pull from your battery your home battery. Uh, if your car was attached to your grid in that way and could backfeed into the house, then yeah, that would it would apply under the same program, I would expect. Yeah, or but somewhere. That's where actually, you know, that's where real sophistication comes in, right? So if if you're looking, you know, if you're looking at the vehicle, car vehicles, and the car manufacturers that are all uh, in this space, in the EV space, 
they're really investing heavily into AI and machine learning. Right? Mm, right. So in the future, is yes, you might be needing your car really early in the morning, right? So when is your capacity available? And that's something which where some of the key business models and the key innovation will still happen, in my view, in this space is also how do you manage that ecosystem, right? So we're going to integrate your calendar function of whatever you're using, if it's Outlook, if it's Gmail, if it's Mac, you know, not to leave anyone out here. <laughs> uh, it's going to be integrated into the vehicle, into the behavior. People will understand, okay, how many people do you have at home who's using the vehicle? And pretty soon, to some it might be scary, but I think it's absolutely necessary that there will be a predictability of in two weeks, I can tell you exactly how much capacity you will have available at which point and which vehicle. And the battery analysis now is so good in some of these, uh, with some of these manufacturers that we could tell you at Daimler, for example, you know, or at, at others, will this, you know, this battery might not be usable for a grid application because it's been driven too much, right? You drive it oh, too right. much, too fast. But this battery, on the other hand, is only driven, you know, 20 minutes a day, only on short duration, and not really is using its full capacity. So this can be definitely used, right? And so if this is overlaid over all the manufacturers, and you see that it can develop a real network where you have strong predictability on when this can be used, uh, how much it can be used before affecting the health of the battery, the cycle time of the battery, et cetera, et cetera, right? So, and that's where that's, yeah. this is gonna come in. So at the future, you might see something pop up in a dash in a BMW and an Audi or a Porsche or, you know, Evelocity or some of these startup companies where uh, it's gonna say, hey, your battery is the prime example of what you want to participate in this utility program and this is yeah. what you get for it, right? <laughs> where with others, it never Would you like to earn money on your, on your battery? Pops up on the dash, <laughs> yes or no. <laughs> that's exciting. Yeah. Really scary. I mean, that's like the first step towards like a, this, well, one of the earlier steps towards a shared economy. And I mean, it's it certainly is possible later yeah, on down the road. it sounds very Star Trek, doesn't it? Where yeah. we're all just kind of existing in this in this shared economy space. Right. Here's actually providing access to your calendar and your, your 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 patterns of use of your vehicle. Well, that sounds stuff, a little that, spooky, that, but no, that but stuff is already taking place. And I think if, 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 if right? they, yeah, if they if they target you <clears throat> in specifically looking at vehicle habits, I think it, that data will be available in very short order. Um, in fact, it's yeah. probably it's probably already out there. Right. At least at least for all the Uber drivers. <laughs> <laughs> so then, yeah, sure. if you think about you know extending access to your storage, the system that you purchased as a battery in your at your car or as a battery in your home, that's kind of one level of a shared economy, right? And then you get further down the road, and there's a notion of do we really need that? Now we get almost in the future focus, right? Do we really, do we even need <laughs> to own our cars at that stage of the game, right? So we're talking about things, of course, like uh, you know Uber and Lyft, and what's happening with them, and what's the prospects of these vehicles in the future? Because now we're we're not talking about we've talked about this uh, yeah. before, well, where this was, we were sitting in. In California, I think for Intersolar, and we both looked at each other, and just immediately, it was immediately clear to me that all these Uber drivers that had gotten this nice new job that they're feeling thrilled to have are all on a clock because the only reason why there is an Uber driver is because it's illegal to field an autonomous vehicle right now. Uber's right. got the technology, right. the vehicles are all, the Tesla's in the same boat where they have all the sensors and everything. They're all in place and it's literally a software switch, a little firmware upgrade to turn those things autonomous. Mm. And yeah. <laughs> It's kind of funny, Boris, because out here, I think about a year ago, Uber wasn't a big deal. And so in Maui, we weren't thinking about we didn't, it. Yeah, we had no concept. Is it available in Osaka, Jay? I don't even know. Do you even have it there? I didn't see yeah, it. Yeah, no. so it's like, we're, we're we're looking at it, and we're going. We, we go out to San Francisco, and both of us kind of said, "Wait a second, something's going on here. Yep. There's an opportunity yeah. that's right around the corner." And uh, so, yeah, what are your thoughts about this idea of you know changing the ownership model of vehicles in general with these types of services like Uber and Lyft and the other ones, maybe Tesla itself having its own, or other car manufacturers having their own fleets out there? Mm -hmm. I mean, do you see th this being something in the near term, in the midterm? I mean, is it a practical solution? Do you think Americans just like to own their cars, and it's a complete? I lark? like to own my car. 
car. I don't, I don't want some random car that someone hey, what has is been it? smelling badly in. Well, <laughs> True enough. Um, I have a little tidbit yeah. um, on Newswise. Ford is going to stop producing cars for the exception that. of the Mustang, and there's a variant of the Focus they're going to keep on. So that's a weird you way mean, of looking at you it. Mean, you, know? you mean they're going to ex- they're going to outsource it? No, or? no, they're no, not going to pr- pr- stop production. They're just going to focus on trucks and SUVs. But, oh, right, you know, that's, right. That's where that's they, where make, they make the money. money. And, yeah. and now it's Chevy is supposed to be following suit too. No kidding. So, you know, that's and, and Elon yeah. Musk has gone on record saying that the, the the Model 3 will probably never get any cheaper because mm-hmm. it's it's if you if you don't make enough money to buy a Model 3 and make the payments, then you can always sign it up to fleet duty is, mm-hmm. is what he said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So what and do you then think? it'll go make it, it'll go make money for you while you're at work. And right. You so, Boris, it. are there any insights or uh, kind of things <laughs> that you can opinion? help us? Uh, can you help frame this idea of this shared economy with cars out there or the alternative ownership model? Yeah, I can. I mean, I can try for sure. Um, I tried to get an Uber once on Maui, by the way, and that wasn't quite successful. So I think there was <laughs> one person me. on the other side of the island, so it wasn't quite, <laughs> quite successful. But um, the, um, I really see that there's an opportunity, right? So where where is the shared model? So there's there's several layers of this, right? So there's the shared model and there's the autonomous model, right? So in, in Daimler calls the case, connected, autonomous, shared, and electric. Um, BMW calls it ACES, autonomous, connected, shared, and electric. Right? So there's, it's the same acronyms, but everyone is, is kind of looking at the same same aspect from from uh, for the transportation in the future. So there's definitely going to be a shared model out there for sure, right? So you're going to have maybe if I look at my family, right? I have a family, I have a young son, my wife, um, myself. We do need two cars, but we wouldn't really need it all the time, right? So we maybe have one family car, right, where the soccer balls are in there and the launchers and the stroller and the and the stuff for the park and the bike and the scooter, you know, for the, for the sun and, and all the equipment is in there and the bag for, for, to go shopping. But then um, the vehicle that's being just used from and to work maybe every day, you know, I don't need to own that vehicle, right? So could could this be a subscription model which, uh, where I can use this every month uh, on a per hour basis and and uh, get away with it? Absolutely, right? So this is probably much more efficient and more economic for me than, than and as long as it's clean, as it's comfortable and mm-hmm. I understand what I'm getting and there could be different models right it could be right. different subscription models so you can hire different cars right yeah. where you say okay on the weekend maybe i want to go out with my wife somewhere nice instead of the economy car that i get every day to go to work oh, yeah. now it's going to be the luxury vehicle right that i'm going to get for for this day it's kind of like mm-hmm. the uber model yeah. right where you can i need, I need, I need, I need cool. to tell you that this subscription model exists already it's running and functional in japan in fact my wife keeps trying to get me subscribed because she wants okay. to go to costco but only like yeah. once only like once every couple weeks so because we we sold the vehicle there ages yeah. ago um but but it does it does exist in fact i see them all the time <laughs> right wow so, that's a that no, and then that really and, surprised and so, me that that notion of the uh, div- like being able to have a series of models of a vehicle mm-hmm. uh, because you know that, I mean the whole notion of having like four or five cars people that you know that like that that idea of oh, that's almost like an idea of American success right sure. I've got I've got oh, you know this car and that car and that car and look at me yeah. I'm a big fancy successful guy but I mean it's kind of like absurdly wasteful right sure. <laughs> and yeah. so the, the the notion of being able to kind of like maybe mimic that uh, that that notion be able to have access to these different types of vehicles with different purposes as a feature of this uh, alternative ownership model that hadn't occurred to me at all hmm. that had just yeah. until just now that's that's that, that's fantastic because i mean imagine right so you're looking at so you're going to work every day you don't really need a vehicle you need you need some let's say you have a half hour coming let's say you're looking at los angeles so you're looking at you know let's look at los angeles right so let's say i have a half hour commute every day to work what what kind of vehicle do I want, right? So and this is, for example, what this company like Evolocity is looking at, you know, ur- urban cab vehicle where you have a lot of re- leg room in the back, it's being driven, uh, and you can just stretch out, read a newspaper, sit in the back, and be really comfortable, and just you know either start work already or you know get some reading done or phone calls, whatever you like to do, and then you're gonna have. Let's say I want to go surfing on the weekend. I want a different vehicle, right? And I'm going to go with friends into some kind of off 
place, right? And, or if you're in Maui, for sure, right? So where I need a four-wheel drive where I can put my boards in and I don't care if it gets dirty that much, right? So these kinds of things would make it really interesting at that point, right? And then you say, okay, I'll pay five bucks extra or $10 extra or I pay less because I use this vehicle. Those could be interesting areas. And then if you're looking autonomous, that adds another layer to it, right? Because, you know, the car is just going to drop you off at work and then just keeps going. And once this whole work routine, like the rush hour stuff comes, you have all these vehicles available. What do you make happen with these vehicles, right? And it could revolutionize the whole last mile delivery portion where then all of a sudden these vehicles could turn into parcel delivery, package delivery, uh, any kind of, um, you know, drop-off points, right? Where Daimler's work and it's public so I can speak about it and others do it too, where you can use your, the trunk can be used as your laundry drop-off Point, right where you can just leave dirty laundry in and then it's going to get delivered you know a few hours later with clean laundry and then you could you could go back or there's you know most inefficiencies for parcel delivery is because no one's at home so why don't we have package delivery in a vehicle where you know exactly it's there so that way the parcel delivery doesn't have to leave the node and have to come back the next day or you have to run to the post office right so those kinds of concepts could be really used in the autonomous and shared vehicle environment right. because it's very to control and very uh, transparent in that You point. know, um, uh, Boris, we did just get a, a question in from our uh, on, online presence, and uh, one of our, our kind of longtime listeners asked uh, about Mercedes-Benz's plan for alternative ownership models. He says, Lloyd Fischel uh, had said, what is Mercedes planning regarding this new auto ownership model? Maybe maybe Lloyd's a, a Mercedes fan. Do you, can, you talk to, can, you, can you speak to that at all? Um... I mean, obviously, I'm bound by confidentiality agreements sure, as sure. well, and then there are certain things that's public and certain areas that are not public. Okay. But, um, you know, there's a partnership with Uber and Mercedes uh, that has been um, announced in the past. Um, the autonomous vehicles are, are really strongly focused within in Daimler, and then there's uh, quite a few um, announcements made in the past there as well. We have, um, you know, strong trucks and, and bus divisions at Daimler at that, at that point. So uh, there's definitely a strong focus on it. These are certain companies that, right, so what you have to take a look at is, again, where's most of the shared vehicles going to come from? It's probably going to be economy vehicles and not the luxury vehicles mm. because it's going to be used for urban, smaller distance transportation, and it's not as much as the status symbol vehicle that you mentioned before, right? So if someone steps into a S-Class Mercedes or a 7 Series BMW or a, you know, Audi A8 or these types of luxury vehicles, uh, they're probably a little bit less inclined to share them, <laughs> you know, right. or that uh, then, um, you know, then they still want to have a, their own Mercedes. <laughs> that's yeah, why Mercedes, exactly, right? right? So a lot of people <laughs> still want, you know, that's that status symbol and cheap and sure. what you mentioned before. So. Some of these companies are less. Oh, that's our. Hey, Boris, thank you so much uh, for giving us that explanation. And it's been a real pleasure having you on board the solar coaster. Unfortunately, you know, good conversations like this tend to kind of run us over the, uh, the timeline for the future focus. <laughs> so we'd love to have you come back out again in the future. Uh, maybe one of these days we'll see you in Maui. You know, hey, everybody, this has been the solar coaster renewable energy theme talk show right here, Fridays at 105 p.m. and KOI 1110 a.m. We are sponsored by Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric. America, Sonam Battery, Pika Energy, and Sundrum Solar. This is our last episode of the year, guys. Of the year. Thank you, sir. Hey, we go. thank you. Handshakes all around. <laughs> hey, thank you, listeners. Folks. We really do appreciate you, and uh, see us next week. Next, yeah, <laughs> into year two. All right, aloha, folks. Have a great aloha Friday. Aloha. Aloha.